All right. Hello, Auburn family. This is Jason Campbell, your host on the Own to Victory podcast. I'm in great gratitude today to have my man Jeffrey Lee with Own 3 here at Auburn. And, uh, you know, he's a he's one of the great guys that, that cover all our sports and everything. And he's going to be our co-host today. He's going to help bring a lot of the noise and a lot of the action that you'll get a chance to hear. Uh, we got a great lineup today like you do not want to miss, especially if you're a golfer, a baseball fan. And if you love women's basketball, like we got a great lineup. So I don't even want to wait too much longer, Jeffrey. Like the the person that we're bringing in next, you know, I can let you just say a couple of things about her and then we'll just, you know, bring her on in the show. Megan, whoo. Uh, I wanted to teach me how to golf. You know, Keith Niebuhr is, is a big golfer. I love to play golf. I'm just not very good at it, Jason. Hey, welcome to the club. You know, a lot of us is in the same boat. You know, we're just it's a it's a game that we can't conquer. That's why we keep going back. Charles Barkley makes me look good. <laughs> Charles makes a lot of folks look good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you know, that being said, everyone kind of knows who's it is now. Uh Megan Scofield, who's an outstanding athlete, many all American awards, many all SEC awards. Uh, I just want to bring her in so you guys can just hear her story. And I don't want to wait any much longer. So Megan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for being here. So, Megan, I know me and you got a chance to talk a little bit before, you know, everyone, before we got on live air here. And I was talking to you about your experience at the Masters. And uh, then we got a chance to talk about your experience at the Women's Amateur for two days that takes place in Augusta. And, you know, you're, you're one of the, the few to make the cut. And can you just tell the fans and subscribers like what kind of experience that was for you and get a chance to play and see that that course as well? So I've been super fortunate. I've played a few rounds out at Augusta National. Um, obviously, everyone gets to play the practice round at the Augusta Women's Am, which is great. Um, but for me, I, obviously, everyone wants to make the cut to play Augusta National in a competitive round. is just it's unbelievable, especially with a lot of patrons out there watching um but honestly it was pretty nerve-wracking i i thought i was gonna be a lot more nervous than i was um for people that know me they know i hate the first tee shot like if i can hit a good first tee shot i feel like the rest of the course is really easy um so that helped a ton i had a really good tee shot and i played with one of my really good friends amari avery she plays at uh southern cal um, I've known her probably since I was like 15. So that helped a lot too, to play with someone that, you know, and you're comfortable with. Um, but no, it was, it was pretty crazy. Honestly, I, I started on 10 because of the bad weather. So we had split tees, which I usually don't like to do at Augusta national. Um, so we did split tees. So hit two good shots on 10 and then had a three putt. So I was like, okay, well the bogey's out of the way. It's not going to be a clean card today. <laughs> um, and then going to so 11 part and then teed off on 12 and 12 is a scary tee shot mm -hmm. but then you add all the people all the noise um so my first tee shot on 12 it was a back left flag and the ball probably was like 30 yards left of the pin like when i hit it i was like oh i'm mm -hmm. gonna have to re-tee like there's no yeah. shot that i'm finding this ball so that was the worst part is that because a lot of times you get to drop closer to the green but since I was a lost ball I had to re-tee mm -hmm. and I was like oh this is such a tee shot tough tee shot already so re-teed and after that I felt like 
12, I think, is the hardest hole, which most people probably would say that's the hardest hole out there. The most intimidating hole, I think. I mean, the green is like 10 feet wide. I mean, you have literally no room. Like, it is so narrow, so skinny. Um, So after that hole, I felt like I calmed down a lot, but it was crazy. It It was a really unbelievable round. And then my back nine, I shot four under, birdied my last two. So, yeah. um, I shot one over total, which I was pretty happy with because I made the turn at five over and ended up shooting one over. So hmm. it was, it was a great experience. It was really cool to have, um, my family and friends out there to watch me and support me. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those things that's really hard to like put into words to explain how amazing of an experience it was, but it is definitely something I'll never forget. Like, that's what I like was telling my parents, like. I was really thankful they were there to watch me because you don't know how many times you're going to make the cut because it's a tough cut to make. I mean, it's top 70 best amateurs in the world and top 30 in ties make it. So I was really fortunate to play well the second round at Champions Retreat, which is also another Mm. very, very tough golf course. So. No, that's awesome. Uh, like I say, I commend you for for your achievement and uh, mm-hmm. and being able to play in that type of environment because you have one of the stories that not many people get to tell. So, um, right. you know, congratulations exactly. on that. Megan, I've got a question for you. We, we all know or most of us know a lot of Auburn fans know how football recruiting works. They know how basketball recruiting works. How does women's golf recruiting take us back to your high school days? Monticello? Monticello, yes. I had a 50 50 shot, man, and I went with the one that I typically didn't, I wouldn't go with. Okay. Um, Take us back. How do you, how do you get to Auburn? So how recruiting works in women's golf is at least for the Americans. So they come to a lot of the tournaments, like right after the national championship and into the early fall. So there's usually probably three really big girls events. So you have like, U.S. Junior for the girls, um, there's like two big AJGA tournaments in that time frame, like that three to four month time frame. So there's usually a lot of coaches coming. But honestly, I, my parents were really on me about this. So I wrote a ton of emails because my sister played softball in college and they felt like they kind of went about it the wrong way. Um, so for me, I, I did a lot of the contacting myself. Like I would write emails to the coaches, get their phone numbers. I would do phone calls have like a list of questions to ask them. Like my first question was like, do you have a spot? How much scholarship do you have? Like just basic questions. And if they said no, no, I was like, okay, well, thanks so much for the time. Like write them off the list kind of thing. Um, But they, so I committed to Auburn really late. I committed to Auburn end of September, my senior year, which is really, really late for golf. Most of my friends, were committed ninth grade year, which is really, I think, I think what they did with the recruiting rule is amazing for golf because for me, I was a really late developer in golf. I mean, I didn't start playing competitive golf till I was 14, I think, which is, it doesn't seem that late, but most of my friends, they were playing competitive golf at seven. Mm. And so I kind of was on, I was behind the eight ball from right when I started. So I kind of developed really late and I played a lot of good golf from 10th grade on. I would say I felt like I was always on the up, but I mean, I had a lot of room for improvement. So 
I played really well in a tournament in September. And one of the girls on my team, she was playing with me. And so one of the coaches at Auburn was able to watch me. And then it kind of just all fell into place. Uh, got a phone call a couple weeks after that. And Coach Llewellyn really liked my game. And I, I always wanted to come to Auburn. I went to a golf camp at Auburn, maybe in eighth grade. And I remembered, I told my parents, I was like, this is a place I want to come to school. Like, I loved Auburn. A lot of people from my town had went to Auburn, not to play sports, but they just went to Auburn and they just all loved it. And I just, I knew that this is where I was supposed to be. Like, I tell people Auburn has been the best four years of my life. I would never change a thing. Auburn was a school that I was supposed to be at. I, it really is like the Auburn family. It's something you don't get until you're a part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, but, and then for international players, they'll go to two of the really big tournaments. They'll travel overseas. So like mm. our coaches are going to, I think France this summer, which pretty good, pretty good <laughs> yeah. setup for them. Um, so they'll go to like some of the big tournaments over there and watch some of the girls. And a lot of it is for international recruiting, which is really interesting is asking our international players like, Hey, what do you think of this girl? Do you know anything about this girl? Like kind of word of mouth is big. And then for a lot of the schools, like once they get a few girls from a certain country, that's kind of the country that they keep yeah. going towards. Like, so for South Carolina, she gets a ton of French players. Mm. She has a lot of French. She used to have a ton of Spanish. Um, Coach Llewellyn really likes the English and the Irish girls. That's kind of where she finds her players. Um, and we have a bunch of English and Irish girls now on our team. So it's easy for her to get those contacts and say, hey, what do you think of this girl? You think she would fit in? So I, I think it's really interesting, honestly. And I, I personally love having the international players. I think it's so cool to get to know someone from another country. I mean, they're all, we're all really close. And I think it's really neat to just see how, how different it is in another country and see how awesome it is to get to know them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, you know, to hear those stories of France, I couldn't imagine, you know, being <laughs> yeah. able to play golf in France and in all these different countries. Like that's the, that's the, that's part of it. You know, it's just seeing the landscaping. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've had, a, I'm fortunate to be able to go to a lot of nice golf courses uh, through my career and everything. And I tell people it's nothing like seeing Pebble Beach in person. You know, it's, yeah. it's nothing like, you know, just traveling, seeing all these different layouts and golf yeah. changes. So uh, it's not like a football field where every field you go to is 100 yards. <laughs> you know, it, like it changes. Uh, talk about as a player, though, how hard it is dealing with school and then having to travel and play golf. And how do you balance the two? Working ahead is huge um, because when we leave for a tournament, we're usually gone five to six days, mm. which that's a lot of school um, where a lot of other sports they're gone for two days, three days at max. Um, so it's a lot of really working ahead, working with your professors, letting them know like the first day of class is like, Hey, I'm on the women's golf team. I'm going to miss probably a lot of class, but I'm going to work ahead as much as I can come to office hours. Like, I, because obviously academics comes first, like it really does. Like that's the most important. Cause I mean, if your grades fall behind, then you can't play golf, you know, <laughs> all, all the sports you can't play. Um, so I think for all of us, we really stay on top of it early. Um, like this semester I've been really fortunate cause I'm graduating. So all I had to do was an internship. 
so I just, I work when I'm in Auburn, but for the last couple years, I felt like the weeks that we were at home, I was always doing that week's work. And then the next week's work, always trying to get everything done, any big projects. Um, but the professors at Auburn, honestly, they're really good. They really work with us. Like you'll have one or two that's kind of a stickler and it's hard on some of the athletes, <laughs> I think. Um, but I would say 99% are really good. They, they are super accommodating. They're always trying to help you make sure that you get the stuff done and that you do it right. Yeah. Always a couple of sticklers, you know? <laughs> yes. You always have right. You just feel like you, like when you tell them you're an athlete, you're like, Ooh, I don't know if they're going right. to like me now. You tell the facial expression, like if they're going to like you or not. Yeah. Yes. Is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jeffrey, you want to? You got something you want to ask, uh, Megan? Uh, we gonna get to talk about NIL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can talk about NIL. Yeah, Megan, talk to us about NIL with women's golf. How does it affect you? Does it affect you at all? Is For, it beneficial? I think it's super beneficial, especially the Auburn like NIL collective mm -hmm. compared to like some of the girls at other schools that I know and ask about theirs, like. Auburn's way ahead oh. and I'm, I'm pretty close with a lot of girls in the SEC. So I'll just be very upfront with them and just ask them what their collectives are like. Cause obviously y'all know all the schools are getting collectives trying to mm -hmm. get all that. And for a lot of the other schools, they have like one girl on the team that's getting money or they don't have anything yet or all those kind of things. But the other girls that I know that are getting their NIL outside of their collectives it's a lot of them putting in the work. Mm -hmm. They're having to contact people. It's not like you have a few, some of the top players in the world. and uh, They're getting NILs, but I mean, they're one and two in the world. So obviously they're going to be contacting. They've been one and two in the world for a long time. So they're kind of getting it. But for some of the girls that are inside the top 50 in the world, I would say it's a lot of on your end. Who are you contacting? How much are you putting into it? to get it it's not as much as like some of the bigger sports that have these big names like we're football and basketball they don't have to do as much if that makes sense all right now that's important i i really think nil like i said has helped changing the landscape of college sports um a lot of it in a good way and like we talked okay. before you know a lot of it's just understanding and you know like mm -hmm. you talked about putting money away and why is it so important to do that as a student athlete can you just tell the fans the subscribers like why do you like you you just don't get money just to spend it you know like how you're setting yourself up for your future yeah i think it's really important that because when you come out of college it's gonna be for me i think it's gonna be really scary right. <laughs> everything <laughs> auburn's helped me a ton these last four years and i've been really fortunate to play good golf and travel a lot so um i i'm a big saver like i know for a lot of people they like to buy like extravagant gifts or cars or stuff like that but for me i'm i'm pretty i i, I buy some things that i like like i'll buy some clothes but i'm uh, i'm pretty i'm a pretty big saver like i try and put most of that money away for savings because when i get out of college like if i save enough now like that's like a down payment on a house mm -hmm. like that's like that's those are the kinds of things i'm thinking about more so than mm. i want to have a new car today you know i uh, i don't know my parents have always been 
big, 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 big savers. Like my dad is, he has worn the same clothes for the last 15 years of his life and is very content with that. Um, so I think that's been something that's just been instilled in me from a young age, um, just to save and kind of be content with what you have now, because I, I would rather have a nice house in 10 years from now because of the money I saved in college. Awesome. Awesome. Speaking of your future, Megan, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be five years from now? My plan after college is to go to Q school. Um, so I'll go to Q school in the fall of 2024. Um, yeah, the fall of 2024. Hopefully that goes really well um, and kind of puts me on the right path to professional golf. But I definitely want to try professional golf. I think mm. it's something for golf's a little bit different. You don't have to get drafted or have to get put on a team. Like you can go play whatever professional tour you want. You can go play as many tournaments as you want, which I think is a great thing. It also is a little bit of a scary thing because some of the best girls in college still don't make it on tour, mm -hmm. which is crazy to me. Like some of the girls that I'm like, Oh, they're definitely going to make it. They, I see them struggle. I'm like, dang, it's just, it's a really tough lifestyle. It's a really lonely lifestyle professional golf which is different compared to most professional sports but hopefully in five years from now i'm playing professional golf well um <laughs> but i i don't know honestly i'm i'm trying to really enjoy these next this next year of auburn golf and yeah. gonna try and really make something happen give us give us a good run late in postseason that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Megan, before we let you out of here, we want our fans and subscribers to really get to know Megan. And uh, we feel like during this episode, you taught us so much about you. Well mature among your years, um, just how you talk about what your savings and mm. and different things like you're already thinking 10 years ahead. And that's <laughs> how you have to do like you always have to think like, you know, what's next? You know, like, how do I get there? And you don't wait till it comes before you react. You react before it actually is you live it. So uh, I think you're on the right path. I think you'll have great success at the next level. I really do. I think you're a great human. I think you're great for society. So we're going to let our fans get to know. I'm going to give you five rapid fire questions. The okay. first one I'm just going to ask before I even go through something others is what's the one pro women's golf player you look forward to meeting one day or playing against? Lexi Thompson. I think it'd be really mm -hmm. neat to play against her. Awesome. Awesome. What's your favorite food to eat the night before a big competition? Ooh, um, usually some type of steak and mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. potatoes and then a Coke Zero. Okay. Okay. What do you do to calm your butterflies while you compete? I talk to myself a lot. Um, my coach has always taught me like one shot at a time. So I always like, if you see me walking down the fairway, like I'll be like mouthing words to myself and always like, okay, one shot at a time, one shot at a time, one shot at a time, just to kind of get my mind off something else. Awesome. Awesome. What is your favorite place to eat at in Auburn? The Hound or Hamilton's. Okay. Okay. Oh. Okay. I like it. I like it. Last one. Do you have any sports rituals or superstitions? I have a ton of superstitions. Um, I always have to sleep when you go into the hotel. I always have to sleep by the window. I can only use like a white tea from my home course. Um, if I do something the same way in the morning, like 
if my roommate went into the bathroom first and I played well, I'm like, you got to go into the bathroom first this morning. Like I, if we sit at the same table at breakfast, everyone has to sit in the same spot. Like no one can switch up their seating. I'm really superstitious. It's one of my downfalls, honestly. And I only use a Titleist one. That's the only number ball I'll play with for like one putts. I don't know. I just always done that. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, that's, uh, that's good. That's fun to hear. Um, it's good to know that football players are not the only ones with strange superstitions. <laughs> you know, I know baseball players got some. We're about to find out nets uh, with our nets guests, but uh, that's awesome. And uh, Megan, like I said, we thank you for your time. We thank you for what you do for Auburn. Uh, continue your success, uh, Jeffrey. Really appreciate it as well. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Uh, keep being a, a great role citizen uh, that you are, and uh, thank you for all you do. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle. All right, Jeffrey, that was a great episode. You know, learned a lot about golf, learned a lot about, you know, women have superstitions as well. Big time. Yeah, yeah, big time, you know, um, like using the same tea, you know, just different <laughs> Go to things the bathroom like first. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's right. that's some baseball level stuff there. Yeah, that's, yeah exactly, exactly, because uh, it's just funny to see how all of it coexists. But I tell mm-hmm. you what, our next guest, you know, this guy just hit a one out the park the other night. You know, down in Tuscaloosa, just sent it deep over the over the uh, outside. So, you know, he, he comes with a lot of power. Mm. I say that it comes with a lot of power. Uh, you know, one of our left outfielders. You know, a great, great player for Auburn. But uh, I want to hear his insight. You know, about how the season's going. You know, how do you get through? They've been most of a comeback team. You know, most of mm-hmm. this year. Um, you know, just talk about their mindset, but just get to know him a little bit personally. And I don't want to keep him in the waiting room too long. You know, we're gonna bring him on right now. Uh, fans, if you don't know, now you're going to know. Bobby Pierce, everybody. Bobby, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm your host, Jason Campbell, former Auburn athlete. You got Jeffrey, who works with uh, On3 here at Auburn as well. So, uh, you know, we're going to go back and forth, just asking you a couple of questions. And uh, you just be yourself, man. Just answer as, as, as much as you feel free. And and then I'm going to do you kind of like what we just did. I don't know if you heard us ask Megan. Uh, five questions at the end, just kind of get to know her uh, for the fans and the subscribers that give to on to victory, uh, just to know a little bit about you, just besides just being a baseball player. But, uh, you know, so, you know, you ready to hop in, ready to go? Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right, let's do this. So, Bobby, talk to us about, man, the other night, you know, you just crushed one, you know, out of the park and, you know, against our rival. You know, there's nothing better than to do it against someone that's that's a rival. Uh, and talk because at the time, I believe it was what three to one game or four to one. Yeah, I, I think it was four zero at the time. It was. It might yeah. have been like sixth or seventh inning. Uh, I wish we could have got the win <laughs> to start yeah. with, but I mean, it was still still cool to to hit a home run at their place. That was the the first time I've been there. But uh, I mean, it was three two count. Just got a, a slider over the plate and turned on it and put it over the scoreboard. <laughs> So as a as a baseball player, you know, I had some friends that uh that I, when I was playing in Washington, you know, Zimmerman, first baseman, used to play for the Nationals. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really good friends. And uh, I used to go to some of their games and he would come watch some of our games. And, you know, I just talk about like, man, those guys throwing the ball like 100 miles per hour. The kid from LSU, the pitcher that throws the ball like 100 miles per hour. Like, what what are you looking at as a batter when you get up there? How are you trying to fill out this pitcher to know, like, which one I take my chances on and which one I'm probably going to have to pass up? Yeah, it's tough. Um, especially like nowadays, everybody's throwing 
95, 96. That's mm-hmm. just kind of like the standard now. Like <laughs> if, you, if you look back, like in the early two thousands, like the average MLB fastball, I think it was like 91 miles an hour. Yeah. And now you look at college and you got guys throwing a hundred, 101, 102. Like it's, it's crazy. But I mean, hitting stuff, um, you got to kind of go into the numbers, kind of look at some percentages, like what guys might throw in certain counts, like what they might want to throw to you to try to get mm-hmm. you out. So there's a lot of stuff you do kind of before the game to, to prep and figure out like, Hey, what's, what's this guy going to try to do to me? Because it's hard to go up there looking for, for three different pitches <laughs> and right. try to hit all three. So you got to kind of pick out one and, and just hope you get it. Bobby, I'm always uh, intrigued by people's journeys to Auburn. I know you're from uh, Scottsdale. Yes, from Scottsdale. But you I, went uh, so Juco, I went to, right? Yeah, so I went to so I went to Arcadia High School, and then I didn't have a, a single offer out of high school besides like a couple couple JUCO offers. Um, I barely got to play my senior year just because of injury. So decided to go to South Mountain Community College, and really my goal from there was just to play in the Pac-12. I was like, Pac-12 would be awesome. Like that's what I that's what I grew up watching. Like I was an Arizona State fan. I was like. It'd be it'd be awesome to play there, really anywhere. Um, and after my freshman year, like it was kind of slow, like not a not a whole lot going on. And then my sophomore fall, my first game, um, Coach Nonamaker came and watched me play, um, and I hit two home runs. And he was like, "Nice time. This game might, might be all right." And so we got talking, and I got down on a visit, and from there, pretty. I mean, it was the first college visit I ever took was to Auburn, which is pretty okay. crazy. And I only took one other one, and I, I knew this was the place. Yeah, you know, Bobby, they call you Bobby Barrel. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at some of your – the night that you had a couple nights ago. You had one in the first inning, you had an RBI single. Third inning, you had a single. Fifth, you had a double. Seventh, you had a triple. And the ninth, you had a single. Like, mm-hmm. I think it lives up to the name. You know, <laughs> where did you get the nickname Bobby Barrel? Man, I th- honestly I don't know who started it. If it was if it was George, <laughs> our our media guy, or what. But I just remember one day last year, I, I started hearing Bobby Barrels, and my I heard my parents saying it, my girlfriend, and then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> kind of just what everybody says on social media and stuff. So I I think it's pretty funny. Like I've had a lot of nicknames like throughout my my high school college career, but that one's definitely the one that's kind of like stuck the most like on social media and stuff. So I I think it's pretty funny. Bobby, do you know who else came through JUCO? your head coach oh yeah yeah I, I do. I, I, my uh, my claim to fame here is i played against butch when he was at uh he was at jeff state he was the head coach at jeff state i was a uh a, a poor man's right fielder <laughs> for for bevel state and uh his, his pitching coach at the time actually was one of my good friends growing up his name was ab argent but uh got to play against butch fantastic so i was pretty excited when he got the uh, the auburn job and Gotten to know Butch fairly well on a personal level, but man, what's it like playing for him? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a great coach. He kind of kind of during the game, he he lets us do our thing. Like he's not really gonna gonna say a whole lot to us. Just kind of lets us go. I mean, if, if there's something he needs to say, he's he's gonna say it. But he's he's pretty pretty calm during the game for the most part. Um, and really, he's I mean, he's an awesome guy. He knows knows a lot about baseball. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been around it for a long time. Like there's there's so much stuff that I've learned just from these couple of years here from him that, that he's told us, like, he's, he's great at talking to us off the field, like all the meetings and stuff we have and just so many different mental things and stuff I've, I've learned from him. And it's, it's awesome. He's a, he's a great coach. 
Yeah, Butch is tough now. Yeah, I've had a chance to meet Butch. He's a fun guy to be around. He's very energetic. You know, uh, him and Coach Pearl kind of kind of similar, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to their energy level. Um, you know, speaking of that, I asked Megan this question a while ago. I asked her, I said, you know, baseball, y'all travel a lot as well. And I said, how do you manage school and be able to to stay on top of everything from an education standpoint, but then be able to go out and perform games? Like, how is it, how is it as a as a baseball player, you know, dealing with both of those, trying to balance? Yeah, it's tough. Um, <laughs> I've, I've kind of done it like my, my whole college career, but definitely mm-hmm. being here, it's been it's been harder just because you're going on the road so much more, um, especially if we have like a midweek game on a Tuesday, like you're that's away, like you're missing that class. And then yeah. you come back Tuesday night at like 1230, 1 a.m. And then you have class the next morning and then you might have an away series that's at South Carolina and then you're gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot like you're you're gone for a long time and it's kind of different from other sports where like you might be gone for like a day or two but since we have to play so many games you're you're gone for for a lot longer periods of time so it's it's good it's good to be at home when we're at home you get those get that weekend series at home you get to sleep in your your own bed for for three or four nights which is always a whole lot better than being on the road in a hotel for four days yeah hey bobby uh baseball to me that background, uh, obviously, in JUCO, you get a full ride. But when it comes to these, especially here at Auburn, you've only got – gosh, I think Butch of those guys have 13. 11, 11 there points. you go. I, that's what I said, 11. <laughs> uh, they, so so how, how, how much more important is NIL when it comes to baseball? Because you're not getting that full ride. Uh, you know, I, I, Alabama not being that lottery state, they don't have the Hope Scholarship like Georgia does and be able to offer in-state guys free tuition and then use that scholarship percentage elsewhere. Auburn doesn't have that. So d- does NIL – has NIL – and this might be a better question for Butch, but you're an older guy. you kind of been around the block. Does that kind of help level the playing field for you guys who aren't on full scholarship? Does NIL onto victory, does that help – make up any of that shortage yeah i mean it's a it's a big deal especially for like in-state to out of state like i know like coming from arizona like tuition here was like three four times as much as in-state like it's it's a lot so i think it'll help them getting more guys out of state compared to in-state just because i know in-state it's not it's not crazy expensive but Mm -hmm. if they're trying to go get somebody from texas or anywhere like on the west coast it's like it's going to be hard to get them there unless unless they put together a pretty good offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with on a victory and and all the NIL stuff, it really is going to help them get more guys that are that are from further away. And Jeffrey, speaking on that, uh, what also helps is I think a lot of guys, you know, back in the day, they had to make the decision. Do I try to go pro and get stuck in the minors mm-hmm. where now I think NIL helps baseball tremendously because a lot of these guys can say, well, I can make just as much through my NIL and stay an extra year at Absolutely. all and uh, and still, you know, try to continue to boost my stock and my status, but still being where I want to be at. Uh, so I think NIL definitely helps in that perspective. Have you seen that, Bobby, like help some of your teammates make a decision, say, OK, instead of going to the minors and I'm busting a lot of places, I can come back another year at Auburn and try to raise my stock. Yeah, not not only for us, I think really for all of college baseball, like you're going to see mm. that in the next few years, like even this year, like I think the talent is going to be a lot better because mm. you're not losing those guys that are going to go in like the the seventh or eighth round out of high school. Mm. And instead they're going to be like, okay, like 
I can come to Auburn and I can get an IL deal and go to school for free and play college baseball for three years, maybe four years, get a degree and then go play pro ball. And so I think you're, you're getting a lot more of those guys that are, that are the higher caliber players to actually come to college, which is, which is great for, for college baseball. Um, And even for somebody like me, like last year um, I got offered in like the 11th round to, Mm -hmm. to go somewhere, but I hadn't graduated yet. And I was like, I could come back for another year, like on to victory, all this stuff was kind of first starting up. And I was like, might not be a bad idea to, to come back for one more year and get my degree and I get to play another year here and get a little money on top of that. So that's kind of, it it really has, has changed the game. Yeah. That's very interesting, man, to to know how the talent level will be so much different in the future Mm -hmm. in baseball when you've got these guys instead of, you know, and and minor leaguers don't make a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) Not not at all. It's it's, it's the potential (laughs) there. Um, Bobby kind of hit uh, lost the series at Alabama. What's uh, what do you feel like moving forward? What what can fans expect from this team? What, what do you think you got your your ceiling is for this year? Yeah, I, mean, I think we could we could grow a whole lot more. I mean, we we all know we haven't really played to to our expectation and what and how we know we can play. I mean, we know we're we're a really good team. We we have some inexperience in in some different spots, which is understandable. I mean, we sure. lost. I think yeah. nine guys from last year, mm-hmm. um, but our the talent we have is 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 amazing. Like we we have a lot of a lot of really talented guys, and they just need to kind of get a little more experience under their belt and kind of go from there. But I think starting this second half of the, the SEC season, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna put a little charge into the into getting in the postseason. Yeah, like Jerry was saying, like y'all have been considered the comeback guys. You know, it's almost like from the mentality standpoint. When, even when you feel like you're out of a game, you're not out of it. Uh, what's that mindset like on your team? Because you are a young, a young baseball team. You know, last year I think you lose what five pitchers or something that goes that, that leaves. Like that's hard when you lose that many guys that, from pitching. But uh, just talk about how you make up a lot of this from a mindset when you when you all get behind early in games, but y'all able to fight back and uh, and pull some of them out. Yeah, it's really. I mean, really, even kind of coming from last year, we had so many come from behind wins, and that kind of grew into this year. Knowing, hey, like, it's like no matter what the score is, like we know we're not out of the game. Like, I, I, I think our Friday night game against Georgia, we were down. I think it was six to two with two outs in the ninth, nobody on, and I think Casey gets a double, and then a couple more guys get on, and we did, we keep scoring with two outs, and we end up coming back and winning that game in like the eleventh inning, which was one of the crazier games I've ever seen. And I, I was hurt at the time, so I wasn't playing. But I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, down by four, with two, down to your last out, and, and you come back and, and win the opener against Georgia. So that was that was pretty awesome. And I, I think that our whole team knows that. Like, we know that we're really never out of the game. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a good, a good quality to have as a team just because you know you're never out. All right. Jeff, you got one more for my man, Bobby? Favorite pitch, dude. If you're if you're going up to bat, and believe it or not, man, I actually told Butch this, but his pitching coach came to me before the game was like, dude, uh, you know, we grew up together. What do you want first pitch? He was a pitching coach. He was calling pitches, and I said inside fastball, and I and I and I got a good hit on it. Just pulled it foul. If somebody does the same to you. What what pitch you want? Man, I think it depends on the pitcher, but I mean, just 
standard, I would just say a fastball. <laughs> like that's mm. that's definitely I wouldn't say it's the easiest pitch to hit, but like if you know it's coming, like it's gonna have the least amount of movement compared to other pitches. So I mean it you, want it, you want it from a lefty or a righty? Honest honestly, I I don't mind like right handed pitching, like right on right. Like I it doesn't I love right handed pitching. Yeah, like I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like I if, if it's lefty or righty, like it's not a huge deal unless it's like a sidearm righty, then it gets oh yeah, it's <laughs> coming from behind you practically. I actually never understood the matchups in baseball. You know, offense wants a left on righty. Uh, uh, I, I just never understood that. I would I would much rather hit a righty as a righty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like I I still I don't dislike lefties, but or but I just think like lefties throw more changeups to righties, and changeups a tough pitch to hit. Shoot, yeah. Um, and so I, that's why I've, I've always just kind of liked right-handed pitching all right fastball from a righty yeah all right i'm in that boat with you (laughs) on the pitching though jeffrey you know some guys are tall pitchers some guys Mm -hmm. are short pitchers and when when you have a tall pitcher i remember i played a little bit of baseball it's like the thing is just humming downhill do you prefer a tall pitcher or you prefer a shorter pitcher i want the shorty yeah, but at the same time, like nowadays, like got like the spin rate of fastballs. Like if you have a shorter pitcher and he can spin oh. the ball, like it looks like it's almost like rising, and mm. then it makes it it makes it almost harder to hit because you, well, you have to get on top of it. My thinking there was the the, the shorter he's going to rise up instead yeah. of the, the the lefty. I mean the the taller pitcher coming down. Yeah. I'd like yeah. it to get up in the zone about belt high, <laughs> start yeah. the knees and come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like I don't like it's an uncomfortable at bat when you got a, a six foot six guy out there throwing. For sure, like <laughs> well, Randy Johnson want to be. Yeah, I'm not saying that's any easier. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, it, it really just it depends on the guy. Right. Right. Well, before I let you get out of here, man, I got one more question. Then I'm gonna ask you these rapid fire five questions, and uh, then we'll let you get on with your day. But the big hurt, Frank Thomas. Mm. Uh, you know, just what two week a week last weekend. Uh, had a statue unveiled and uh did you first did you get a chance to meet him and then second like you know what's that experience like knowing someone that come through auburn and uh all the sec players that's ever played jeffrey could you imagine he's the only one in the hall of fame wow like, like that is saying a lot so mm-hmm. uh just talk about if you got a chance to experience it, if you got a chance to meet him uh what was it like yeah, it was it was really cool. So we were actually we were doing scouting report Thursday before the um, before the series started, and he came, he, came, he just came walking into into our meeting room, and nobody knew he was coming. Um, and we got done with our scouting report, and he he came up and talked to us for a couple minutes, and it was it was pretty crazy. Like I've yeah. seen him on TV all the time. Like I was just like like wow, it's it's Frank Thomas. Like it, it was pretty cool. Um, and then we got to go to the the statue ceremony, which was, which was awesome. We all got to stand right there when, when they took it off and all got to take a picture with them. So that was, that was really awesome. I mean, it's, it's cool meeting somebody that's, that's that, <laughs> that significant of an, of an Auburn athlete. And like you said, the only, the only hall of famer in the sec, which is, which is crazy, mm. but it was, it was awesome. Yeah. That's just crazy to think about it. He's a big dude too, man. Like he's, Gosh. I can imagine him at the plate and I'm trying to pitch to him. Like, dude, I'm walking you, bro. Sorry. Like, and, he, and, he, and he still looks good. I don't. I think yeah. he's he's. I don't know how old he is now, but I mean, he's still. I mean, he looks just like he did probably probably ten years ago. Which is he was so that's, what, that's what baseball money will do for you at the next level, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he hit for average is what blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, 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 he hit for average. Hitter. 
All right. Yeah. All right. Think about it. Did him and Bo play together at Auburn? Yes. They were there at the same Bo time. Yeah, Bo Jackson and Frank Thomas. Jeez. Same time. And we know Charles Barkley was there in basketball, mm-hmm. so it was a big the big three or the big trio. The 80s, but just imagine Bo Jackson and Frank Thomas on your baseball team at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just crazy. That's crazy. It's, a, it's scary to think about. But <laughs> at the same time, we got Bobby the Barrel. So, <laughs> you know. Hey, Bobby, quick five questions. Um, first, do you have any uh, sports rituals or superstitions? Personally, I don't, but like as a team, like if, if we get a win, you, we kind of do the same thing that we did like the day before, like whether it's like our stretch routine or kind of like where we sit, like really anything like that. Like if we win, like it's kind of the same the next day. <laughs> and then if we lose, then it's like, all right, like we're, we're kind of doing something different. But per- personally, I've never really done anything. Super okay. okay. What is your favorite place to eat at in Auburn? Mm. I've really I've liked Lucy's lately. I've been there. I've been there a few times in the last probably few months, and I I really like Lucy's. So I'll, I'll go with Lucy's. Yeah, I had their brunch. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, who's your favorite team to play against outside of Alabama? Favorite team. That's tough because we like we haven't played all the SEC teams. Mm. Who you look forward to playing the most? I'd probably say LSU. Mm, uh, but we play them here. I want to say either two or three weeks from now, and I know it's coming up. Um, but they they've got a lot of talented guys. I mean, they're the number one team in the country, of course. Like if you ever get a chance to to play the number one team, it's I mean, you always look forward to that. So I mean, that's that's something that that I'm definitely looking at in in the coming weeks. Got a good one for you. Who inspired you as a young athlete? really said my parents um like my mom and my dad they were always kind of there for me to to do like pretty much whatever I wanted to do like I I used to wake my dad up when I was probably four or five years old and I I used to play golf golf is my first sport and I would wake him up and I'd be like dad can we go to the driving range it'd be like 6 a.m before school (laughs) and I'd be like can we go hit some balls can we get some balls and like he would he would go take me at 6 a.m before he had to go to work and before I had school and just kind of stuff like that. Like I always remember, like they, they're both always there. Like no matter what it was, if I, if I wanted to do something, they would, they would always help me in any way they could. So I really, yeah. I really, that's awesome. yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. My dad was a coach, man. I enjoyed every minute of it growing up. So I, I definitely experienced it. Uh, this is an interesting one. This is the last one for you. This is a very, so you swing a baseball bat, you swing a golf club. Which do you prefer if you only pick one day to do either? And you both you got paid the same amount to do either one. Which one you prefer and which one's the easiest you think to swing? Gosh, that that so people have asked me that my whole life. <laughs> and I honestly I still don't even know the question because or the answer to the question just because I I like them both. Like I, I chose to play baseball just because you can only play baseball for so long, but you you can go play golf when you're 40, 50, 60 years old. Um, from an easier standpoint, <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to say baseball just because I think, I think hitting a baseball is one of the harder things to do mm-hmm. in all sports, but at the same time, hitting a golf ball is, is up there is being just as hard. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd probably still pick baseball. Okay. But, so are, are you 300 plus off the tee? Or are you 260, 270? No, I, I can, I can get it out there. <laughs> you can, you can ask some of the other guys on the team. They'll, they'll 
they'll attest to that that I, I can get it out there a little bit <laughs> okay okay good to know man well hey we appreciate your time bobby like i said man you're an awesome guy man and bobby the barrel you know the fans and you know this is a treat you know to be able to interview you guys and get a chance to know you especially as a former athlete and now involved with uh helping nil but you know this is my favorite part of all of it getting a chance to interview everybody from different sports and uh, just to hear your mindset and how you have to go through things. Because I know what it looks like from a football perspective, but to see it from a baseball, golf, you know, women's basketball and tennis, all these different other sports that uh, that you have so much gratitude for, it's always very intriguing. And, uh, man, we commend your efforts. Team, keep fighting. You know, like I said, don't – you know, you guys have the mentality to come back. So just, uh, you know, just keep using that. And uh, keep striving, keep striving forward, man. But appreciate you. Thank you for coming on in uh, War Eagle. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, War Eagle. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. War Eagle. This is John Cohen, and I fully endorse On to Victory and its mission to support our student athletes. Let's all do our part and join On to Victory today. War Eagle. Well, all right, fans, here we go. You know, y'all heard enough of Jeffrey and myself talk a little bit about golf, and we done talked about uh, baseball, and now it's on to women's basketball. And, you know, Coach Harris has been here for two years now and has gotten the program going in the right direction. And I tell mm -hmm. you, man, she's had some hard-fighting, exciting games. Uh, one sure. thing I will say about this team is they know how to play with grit. Like, they they know how to do what it takes to get to that next level. And like I said, everything is a building block, you know, uh, Sometimes people want instant results. Well, the only way you get those instant results is you have to go through a building phase. And I think she's doing it the right way. She's been outstanding coaching before at Mississippi State on some of those great teams. And now she's bringing that mindset here. So, you know, I look forward to hearing what she got to say and uh, and everything. So, you know, let's, let's wait no longer. Let's bring in Coach Harris uh, to the screen. Coach, how you doing? There she is. I'm good. I'm good. Where you go? How are you? Yeah, it's War Eagle. War Eagle doing great. Just on here having a good time with Jeffrey today and, uh, you know, talking to a couple of athletes. And now we get a chance to finally talk to a coach. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we're excited about you being on and the fans and subscribers are excited about you being on. And like I said, we'll ask you a few questions and then we'll jump into an NIL question about, you know, how can subscribers and fans, you know, get more involved to, to help you and why you need their support, uh, you know, being in such a competitive SEC you know, environment and, uh, and everything. So, you know, coach, first, I just want to say, you know, how's it been the first two years, uh, you know, here coaching and, uh, you know, what excites you the most, uh, what have you learned the most about your team and, uh, what you look forward to coming up? Oh man, it's, it's been awesome. I'll tell you what, Auburn is, is a beautiful place. It's awesome. The, the support here is amazing. So it's, it's really been exciting. Um, one of the things that I'm most excited about is being able to to build this this team, this program from scratch. Um, even though that's that's hard, but it, it's you know when you are able to do that, you know you can put your stamp on it. So um, and like I heard you talking when I was backstage, it, it is it's not easy. Um, it is a process, um, but we have made some some great strides. Um, one of the most important things is getting players that fit, that fit mm -hmm. your system. And, you know, that's what we've been uh, we've been doing. That's awesome. Yeah. Jeffrey, you can chime on in. Good, because I want to talk a little recruiting. Uh, uh, Coach Harris, my interest in women's basketball goes back to the high school days when I was covering high school basketball teams. Um, 
and just since then, it's probably been 20 years since I did that, but I've just seen the, the, uh, the increase in interest, but more so the increase in talent. We saw the women's championship, which was one of the more highly uh, anticipated and watched mm-hmm. uh, events and tournaments uh, of, of yeah. the year. Uh, what is it going to take for you and how much of an impact will NIL play for you to have to get on that same talent level as as the LSU's, the Iowa's, the South Carolinas? Uh, is NIL going to play a big factor in that? Oh, that that's going to be huge, um, mm-hmm. just because you know these kids are are now um, understanding uh, their worth and how to you know how to how to market themselves, how to um, how to sell themselves in that space, you know, and for us to be able to compete, we have to have that same type of support that those schools are getting. Um, you can see it on their website. You can see their kids posting about it. They they get uh, a lot of support um, as far as NIL is concerned. And, and if you are a player, that's what you want. You know, that's what you're looking for. You know, it used to be the first question you <laughs> asked is how are you going to develop me? Right. That anymore. Right. <laughs> how much exposure am I going to get? Yeah. How much exposure right. am I going to get? How much are you supported in um, in the NIL? And, Ooh. you know, those are the, those are real uh, questions. And, and if you don't have that support, that's real. Those real problems. Mm-hmm. Um for for schools that are not um, being supported, would you say NIL is very when you go into the living rooms? Is that one of the first questions asked? Yeah, you get that before you get in the living room. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yes. So if it's, you want to come to my living room, answer this. It's like the code, I mean, the secret you're code. It from the coaches, you're getting it from. You know, you're getting it from the family, and and a lot of times the last person to ask the question is the player, mm-hmm. but you know it, that question is being asked. You know, yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, because parents want to know, and I know dealing with the football aspect of it and everything, like it is like like it's almost like it's the top topic. You know, it's mm-hmm. the like, and I always try to tell these kids and their parents, I'm like, look. Don't get so hung up on the NIL perspective that you forget about the relationship, mm, you know, right. because I want to know who's coaching my kid. I want to know how they're going to develop my kid, not just on the court or on the football field or in the baseball field, but how they're going to develop them into great young women and men, you know, yeah, once they leave. All. That used to be, mm-hmm. you know, that used to be the first thing, but now that's that's on the back burner. I mean, yeah, yeah you still um, have to address those and and that's one of the first things I talk about because mm-hmm. I really believe that that's important, especially for these young ladies. Um, but you know, they really want to know how much that's, yeah. that's yeah. first and foremost. And I think, um, you know, I think they have to understand like, like there's two, well, I think it's probably about two elements to it. You have kids that are already popular mm-hmm. that are already popular on social right. media. They've already branded themselves so it's really easy. People are coming after them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, some of the kids coming in, they want you to help them. And, and we do have ways that we can help them. Um, but they have to understand, you know, a lot of it is who you are. Right. Right. How do you bring yourself? How marketable right. are you? 
Um, so you have two different, and I think all these kids want want the they want the same thing, but some of them are already there, and some some of them, you know, when they come to college, that's the most important thing when they need to understand that you know you, you're being you, you know you have you're playing basketball. Right. So that's got to be number one. You got to be good so mm-hmm. that you can be noticed. Right. And I don't yeah. think that's always, you know, the case with with some kids you're getting in that that we have to help. And, and we have the resources to help kids brand themselves, you know, market themselves. We get mm-hmm. them out there. Uh, but at the same time, they still have to do their part. Well, it's like you were saying, like, it's not pay for play. And I think a lot of parents get it all messed up. It's mm-hmm. more like name, image, and likeness. You know, your social media type platform, your, you know, your marketing platform. Because I always ask kids, outside of your collective, how many opportunities have you received? And right. the reason you ask that question is because that's showing you how marketable are you. Right. You know, and a lot of it is you personally trying to market yourself to to get certain things. And like I tell them, I said, yes. Your biggest accolade should be what you do on a court or on a football field or anything, because that's your selling point, because it makes you more valuable. You know, if you're a person of value, let's just take an example. You know, the girl Angel at LSU, look at how she's taken off since the Mm. national championship game. Right. You know, and you look before the national championship game compared to where she's at now. Mm. And it's all because of what happened on that court in that in that national championship game. So, you know, that's what they got to understand is if you work hard, you don't have to chase certain things. You don't have to chase down money. It will find you. And when it comes to you, it would be you would be ready to to take it and gravitate to it. But if you're always chasing money, you're never going to be happy and you're never going to get the best of you because your mindset is not where it needs to be. Let that follow you, but not let it be not let it be the reason that drives you. Uh, So I, I really commend you on that, coach. And like I said, Auburn people, I really want you to get involved with supporting the women's basketball program because the biggest recruiter, honestly, is the players. When other players come on campus, they're asking other players, like, hey, what do they do for you from a collective standpoint, you know, here at your university? So that kid is going to tell that other kid, which is going to make that kid say, you know what? Okay, I really like it here from my atmosphere. I really like the coaching staff. Now, this is just icing on the cake because I see what you do for our student athletes, what they do for your student athletes. I want to come be a member here. So that's why it's so important to get involved. Definitely. Uh, and and on the other hand, you know, you have your players looking at what other players are getting. And mm-hmm. now, you know, with the transfer portal now, and they, they're able to just jump right in, they're seeing what their friends are getting. Nine times out of 10, if you're not, you know, if you're not doing something to, to keep them, and I'm not saying doing something to keep them, but if you're not giving them the same support, then these kids are out. <laughs> they are. You mentioned the transfer portal, Coach. Uh, how important is that for you, for, for a new staff like this? I know Hugh Freeze and, and those guys hit it hard in December, but for you trying to rebuild this roster, how important is the transfer portal? And on top of that, I've seen this in football, how important is NIL in the transfer portal? Oh, wow. It's um, transfer portal has been big in a couple of different ways. You know, you walk into a program and you have to have players that buy in and, you know, um, that fit your system. And, you know, early year one, you may give players an opportunity, but by year two, 
you have to make sure that those players can can get in the portal and get somewhere that fit them. Also, while you're getting in the portal, getting players that that fit you. Uh, I think somewhere in women's basketball, I read where um, freshmen, the difference between the freshmen and transfers this year was like 10 points a game. Wow. So it's it's wow. uh, it's big. You know, it's really big. And, so, you know, you get you go in the transfer portal, you pretty much know what you're getting. And these kids pretty much know, hey, I got to go and I got to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going somewhere where I can make it, where I fit a system. Um, <clears throat> I've seen the way they play and, you know, or we've seen the way they play and they fit. So I think that's really big for uh, for us with NIL. I think... <laughs> You know, I think some some people use NIL to entice people, to be honest with you, to get to the portal, which is not what it's meant for. Uh, But but that's real. It's happening. It's happening in the women's game. I'm pretty sure it's happening in the men's game. Mm -hmm. But um, and that's unfortunate, but it is happening. Um, You know, we're doing things the right way. We've gotten some really good um, transfers. We also got a couple of junior college kids coming in, first team All Americans. Um, so I really feel good about, you know, what we were able to do this this spring in the transfer portal. We still have um, a few more kids um, that we're waiting on, because yeah. um, because now once you go in the portal, you get three visits, mm-hmm. um, and so we're waiting on a couple. But you know, it's really looking good for us. I think we're going to be. Um, a lot better. With that being said, my leading score <laughs> from last year is in the portal, uh, um, but also um, my freshman, um, Carissa, signed with Ole Miss. You know, she went in the portal and she signed with Ole Miss. So, um, so I lost a couple, but um, I'm also able to bring some in. That's right. And how do you balance that, Coach, from a scholarship? perspective because you have to have so many you only get so many scholarships so you have to balance like who's here and then you don't know if a kid is leaving because the window i guess is i don't know how long the window is in transfer portal so a kid can you may think your roster is set and then all of a sudden the night before the last day a kid say oh i'm going in the portal and then you're trying to bring in a transfer person like how difficult is it on coaches right now it's really difficult and like you don't know from one year to the next whether you're going to have, you know, what your roster is going to look like. So, you know, in the past, you knew if you had to bring in two freshmen or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And now it, you you may need to bring in four or five kids when you thought maybe you were only going to have two. I'll tell you, when I was at Mississippi State and we built that program, our <clears throat> year four, we were um, in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Year five, we were playing for a national championship, and that was with our first recruiting class. Okay. We replaced four starters. Year mm-hmm. six, we were playing in a national championship game. We replaced four starters. Year seven, we um, we actually got one of the starters back in year seven because she, she petitioned and got a yeah. year back, so we lost three. But then in year seven, we won the SEC, won the tournament, we ended up, we're a number one seed, but we got sent out to Oregon. But we had a chance to, we we played in the Elite Eight. 
and mm -hmm. and barely, you know, they barely beat us. But we also had a chance that year to play for a national championship. But that was because you can recruit, you can, can develop and retain. Well, mm -hmm. you're not doing that anymore. Right. You're recruiting right. every year. Ooh, sounds exhausting. Recruit, develop, <laughs> and retain. What what an old school process, right? Recruit, yeah. develop, and retain. Mm -hmm. I just don't hear that anymore. You don't, you don't hear, hear anymore. that, but that's I really do believe that's why you have like on the men's side a, a San Diego State or you know, mm -hmm. those schools that can that can, you know, keep their players and yep. they can end up having a chance to play for a national championship because you know, they, they keep their players. They have a balance. Wow. Of, of FAU, players. same thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. same thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, like you say, the, when everyone was seeing all these shockers in the in the Final Four, I mean, in the whole tournament, everyone's like, man, how did this school end up beating this school? Because, <laughs> like you just said, they have continuity. They have chemistry. They've been yeah. working together since their freshman year, and everyone stayed aboard. We're at the bigger schools now kids are getting enticed by agents you know yeah. they're getting enticed by outside people it's no longer mom and daddy talking to the kids okay. it's no longer you know now there's these street agents there's this long lost uncle that done met this trainer somewhere and the trainer's trying to feed through the through the through the uncle to get the attention of the kid you know it's just so many horror stories out there because a lot of these kids are leaving these great programs mm -hmm. and they're going elsewhere because somebody getting their ear and say oh we'll pay you such and such and don't realize, like, once you enter that portal and you sign with that school, they got you. Because got now you can't leave until you graduate. So whatever they told you they're going to give you, they can cut that in half because they got you now. So I say yeah. you better make sure before you jump into a portal or just want to go somewhere else, you better make sure that. And they can't get it in writing. Or otherwise, it's illegal. So you're basically trusting the word of someone else over the people that's just grooming you. Absolutely. And that is um, that's definitely happened. I think there's a lot of kids that are being deceived. Um, but but, you know, you have kids who it's not you know, you, you used to have kids transferring that. OK, I need a better fit. I'm not playing. I won't play in time. Now you have your leading scores from a lot of teams. And some of these kids have NIL deals. Right. So, you know, you never know who's going to transfer. You could you could. You know, you can have a kid that's, you know, getting everything um, that you would think they want. They're getting all the playing time. They're all Americans. They're still transferring. And you see that all, all across the country now. Man. Yeah, NIL. Awesome, man. <laughs> it, it really is, right? Yeah, yeah. this is awesome. Like, yeah. like, when do you ever get to the point where you think a law is going to change to say, hey, mm -hmm. at least a kid can't transfer until after a sophomore year? Because, and the reason I say that is, Coach, and then you can test to this. If I'm a coach and I bring in a kid my freshman year, if it's a highly touted kid out of high school, but they get to your campus, you're almost forced nowadays to start that kid playing day one mm -hmm. in position yeah. that you know that they're not ready for. But you know <laughs> that only, you know you have to do it. Or otherwise, as soon as the season over, with, they're leaving. They're Where good. if you brought that kid in the freshman year and they couldn't transfer it after their sophomore year, then you can kind of develop that kid that freshman year, kind of get them a little bit of reps here and there, get them in there, get their feet wet, get them going. And then when you feel like that second year, now they're ready to grasp and be ready to, to get involved more, but you don't have that luxury now. So yeah. it's really hurting development 
of kids as well because they're getting put in situations that they're not ready for because the coaches have the pressure that they almost have to and not wanting to. Yeah. And then, you you know, these kids aren't they're not earning it. They just want to come in and be promised a spot. Um, you know, you used to have to earn it, but they're not. They just they, they want the NIL money and they want to be guaranteed that they're going to play or start. Everybody want to start. Well, you can't have everybody start, <laughs> on the team, but everybody want to start and everybody want big NIL deals. And, and they want that before they even get there and put in any mm-hmm. kind of work. I, I, I think I've got a solution for this. And this is the only way I see this going, whether it be football, men's basketball, women's mm-hmm. basketball, whatever it comes to. But at some point, there's going to have to be scholarships, national letters of intent are going to become contracts. And it's going to be a, a two-year deal, whereas you're you're committed to this school for two years. The school's committed to you for two years. And mm-hmm. after that two years or before your contract expires, if you want to transfer, you've got this buyout because you're going to have NIL with the collectives. And if you either pay the buyout, it's just like a coach's contract almost. Yeah. The, the school mm-hmm. you want to transfer to buys you out of this contract with Auburn mm-hmm. so that you can go to La Tech mm-hmm. or wherever it is that you want to go to. That's the only way. I. This is so out of control, Coach. That it is so you know, out of control. It's, it's the only way I see this go. When you start hitting their pockets, they start thinking, Thinking, yeah. <laughs> start thinking a little bit different about that's it. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah, that could be that could be a good solution. Yeah, something's got to change, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, salary just, cap, something. Well, the thing is, they dropped the whole NCA just dropped this whole thing on on these universities and coaches, and didn't have any parameters, didn't you know set any boundaries. Uh, and anything and just left it out for everybody and what people don't understand is every state is different there's not the same laws for each state when it comes to nil as well jeffrey so a lot of people don't understand that there's certain things in alabama that you can do that you can't do in georgia florida there's certain things you can do in those states that alabama can't do from an nil perspective so that's that as well and then you got parents asking about well, I'm going to send my kid to Florida or Tennessee somewhere because there's no state tax. There's no taxes, yeah. You know Texas. what I'm saying? So it's all these different things that has gotten into it that's not even talked about as far as, like, like Coach said, where's the right fit? So that's why it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's great for athletes to be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. You just need parameters. You need parameters on everything. Even if you're a parent, you have parameters on your kids. Right. You know, like everything has parameters. There's rules. There's regulations. Right now, I feel like there's no, there's not many rules or regulations when it comes to NIL to protect, you know, both sides. Of you know, it's just wide open door. And uh, until we can get to that point, this is going to be a conversation. And it's an exhausting as a coach, you know, uh, I don't like helping out from the from the football side of things, dealing with the players that are already on campus because that's the only time we can deal with them. Yeah, it's a headache, man. Just trying to talk to them all the time about, hey, get your mind off of that. You know, like, you know, just because you go out there and have one great game, now you come back the next week and you feel like, oh, I should have more. Like, right. no, there's the commitment that you're honoring for the entirety of the season. And that's, <laughs> you know, and that's the word commitment. Yeah, it's like yeah. so. You know, we'll see, coach, but. Anything you want to say to fans and subscribers uh, before we let you out of here? No, I just, you know, like you mentioned earlier, NIL, um, you know, in order for us to compete, to get those kids where we can compete. And we we have some really, really good players mm-hmm. here. And um, I, I do think we're going to be very competitive in the SEC. 
um, I, we ended up this year with the team that I had, and I had a lot of kids on my team that, um, you know, that that I inherited that really didn't buy in and and really wasn't a fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they were good kids, and and you know, we got we tried to get as much out of them as I, as we could. I um, when I went and met with um, our AD and we talked about you know budgeting and, and the things that we did this year. We had um, I had my SID to put together a list of things that we done well um, mm-hmm. that we've done for the first time since at least five years, and I had twenty one things mm-hmm. just from this year. Yeah. Some of them, you know. Um, one thing was 15 years. One was 33 years since we've done this. So mm-hmm. I had a list of 21 things that we did well. And so I I do believe, um, even though if he hadn't showed me this, I was just like, you know, man, I, you know, we had okay. We were okay this year. Yeah. Uh, but when you sit down and look at that, we really made great strides this year. And I really believe our best is yet to come because now you're getting kids in that that really do fit, that can play mm-hmm. the way you want to play. Because everybody come in and they'll say they want to play that way. Yeah. But until you get in, you have to prepare to play that yeah. way. And that's what they don't understand. It's um, it's not hard. Practice has to be harder than the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's fun when you're in the game and you're out there making people miserable. Um, but it's not fun when you're preparing to do yeah. that. You have to embrace that. And so I do think we have a group of kids coming in here this year that that will embrace that. Um, so I, I am looking forward to having a, a much better year. I would love to be able to retain these kids because mm-hmm. that's how, you know, that's how you really build your program. And that's how you, you know, get to the next level. Uh, I have the players that can help me get to the next level. It, it's it's about making sure that these kids are supported in in that um, NIL space, so that they're not out there looking for, you know, other other schools to take care of. So that's that's um, the most important for us. That's that's the thing that we need the most. Last thing for me, I, I, Coach, I just want you to know that I have talked to a lot of people on campus, a lot of coaches. Man, there are a lot of people that think very highly of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. Thank you. And, and one of them was Wes Flanagan, who now went to uh, to Ole Miss, but he was a big fan of Johnny Harris. And, and he, he's not the only one. A lot of people that I've talked to about you are, are have <clears throat> high opinions of you, think very highly of you. I appreciate that. And and it's the people around here makes it easy because, you know, everybody's just so supportive. I, you know, I played four sports, so mm-hmm. I, I just love sports, even the ones I didn't play. You know, I, yeah. I was at a, a equestrian meet and I'm asking questions, trying to figure <laughs> it out. So I just I just love sports and I love supporting. Um, but I will say um, the coaches around here, players around here, they've been really supportive of us as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. Like I said, you you do great things for Auburn. Uh, like I said, you love Auburn and, you know, people get on board and love her back and get involved. And uh, thank you for all that you do. And like I said, continue much success. Um, I think this team is really on the right track. Like I said, it, it's building to something special. And uh, like I said, you're going to get the right players that fit you. And 
and and you know what that looks like and what it feels like. So, uh, you know, support you and your staff and uh, wish you all the best. And uh, thanks for coming on and look forward to having you back on down the road. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys for having us. Yes, ma'am. Right. Thank you very much, right. Coach. Where you, Coach? Where you go? All right, Jeffrey, that was a great show today, man. Uh, well, I like her. Yeah, man, we had some really, we had three great, great really uh, people today. And uh, and all three gave us really good interviews. It was all like very candid and uh, purposeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, I, w- I would say they was real uh, and everything. And that's what you like and that's what you enjoy. And everyone, you see how NIL is affecting college sports. And you also see the pressure that it puts on coaches. And uh, so, you know, you know, let's do the best that we can control what we can can't can control. But a lot of, like you said, Jeffrey, sometimes these kids going to leave anyways, you know, and then because you never know who's in their ear. And and that's the thing. You can't cipher. You can't protect them from every single thing or every single person. You just try to put them in the right environment and you try to show them that this environment works and that if you go all in, don't be one toe in the water, put all feet in the water. And and go full force that you can have success right where you are, right where your feet is planted. Instead of having your mind focused somewhere else because someone's in your ear telling you this and that, it's hard for you to put it all in one place and be fully committed if you're halfway here and halfway somewhere else. You know, so I think that's the hardest part for these coaches is being a decipher between who's all in, you know, who wants to be here, you know, like. Who can I count on when it gets tough? Because it's not going to always just be easy. Like when it gets tough, are you going to stick it out? Are you going to stay in here? Are you going to fight with the team? Are you going to quit on the team? Are you going to start looking elsewhere? Like I don't want those type of players. You know, like I want people that understand that you got here because you probably went through some stuff, you know. But if somebody just handed you a full platter, then even you're never going to feel like you earned anything. And that's what Coach was trying to say. Like when you earn certain things, you work really extremely hard. Like it feels better to you, you know, uh, rather than someone just handing something to you, because anybody I ever known when something was handed to them, they did not take care of it because they didn't earn it. You know what I'm saying? So they didn't treat it with care because they didn't earn it. But anytime that you work hard, oh, trust me, you're going to treat that money a little bit differently. You know, you're going to treat that relationship a little bit differently just because you know how hard it was to achieve. So, you know, great insights today. And, uh, you know, from our fans and subscribers, we hope that you enjoyed our episode. And Jeffrey, you want to say one last thing before we end the show? Yeah, I, I think if any if if people listening, uh, potential subscribers to uh, onto victory or, or listening, Johnny Harris to me it was a fantastic point. We've heard Brett Whiteside, the executive director of OTV, say, mm-hmm. you know, we don't ever want a kid, a five star linebacker, running back, whatever, a defensive lineman, to ever not choose Auburn because of NIL. We don't ever want to lose a kid to the transfer portal because of NIL. Kid that you want, <clears throat> you want, you want uh, the football team to have success. You don't want NIL to be a reason it's not. Um, and it, it, to me, it kind of goes the same way with with women's basketball. Like yeah. Johnny Harris, I don't want her success or failure to be dependent on whether or not she gets the support from from the fans in the, right. the NIL game. And if she's going to fail, then let's let, let's see her fail with everything that she needs to have success, or let's see her succeed and give her everything that she needs to succeed. And you heard how uh, how important NIL is in women's basketball. I love women watching watching oh, women's yeah, basketball. That's awesome this year, man. <laughs> I, I, I would love to see Auburn on that same right. level. And uh, I, I hope 
Johnny Harris has everything she needs to get Auburn to that level. And uh, I think that's where the, the OTV, the uh, the subscriptions, the uh, the donations, all that comes into play. And, uh, and it hope- can happen quickly. Like you say, look at LSU. They just got nine girls in the transfer portal last year. Boom. And now they was hosting the trophy. Um, so, you know, things can change a lot quickly. That's one thing about the portal, uh, you know, is that you can change your dynamics. It's like Auburn football this year. You know, you go in the portal, get all kind of offensive linemen. You know, you get defensive linemen and some linebackers. And, you know, the portal can already change this the way this football team is going to look this fall. You know, and, and so it's going to be the same way in basketball. Coach Pearl is already in the portal, and you already see what he's getting already uh, trying to get longer guards. You know, you understand right. in order to win, you got to have some longer guards. And, and some shooters. Uh, so, <laughs> and some shooters. And so, you know, teams are doing that. It's almost like professional sports. Absolutely. Where every offseason they go and they look at their roster and say, okay, what do we need to upgrade in order to be competitive? So now it's the same way in college. Coaches are looking at their roster and saying, okay, where do we need to upgrade in order to, to be competitive, to give ourselves a shot to be in the conversation, to have a chance to go win a championship? You know, nothing guaranteed, but we got to make upgrades to be in the competition. So that goes for all our sports uh, here at Auburn. There's over 20-some sports at this school. And, uh, you know, and it takes a lot to support all of them. So all your help is appreciated. Um, everything that you are doing, if you're already helping, just continue to do what you do. We It's much appreciated. And uh, you heard it from the players and the coaches. And uh, that's me for today. Your host, Jason Campbell, co-host, Jeffrey Lee. We appreciate everybody. And uh, War Eagle, see you next episode. War Eagle, everyone. College athletics is changing, and the Auburn family will respond. On to Victory is the NIL collective of the Auburn Tigers, and they're leading the way. I encourage everyone to go to ontovictory.com. Hey, Auburn family, let's continue to make a tremendous difference in the lives of these student athletes. War Eagle. War Eagle.